0: Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So we're starting a brand new series talking about the worry-free life. Someone shout the worry-free life. You know, the minute I say that, I know some of you already think, is that even possible, Pastor T, that I can live the worry-free life? I mean, is that practical? And uh, we're going to look through Scripture to find out what the Word of God has to say about it. Amen? But before I do that, let me just read you uh, a few statistics that I... Uh, came across on the internet. The first one is by Dr. Peter Schnau, and he said this in his book called Unhealthy Work. He said stress is a factor in five out of six leading causes of death, wow. and these causes of death are heart disease. He says you can find stress in heart disease, uh, cancer, uh, stroke, Uh, lower respiratory disease and accidents. He says an estimated 75 to 90% of all doctors' visits are for stress-related issues. In other words, these people had nothing wrong with them. But they worried themselves into the consultation rooms of the doctors. They stressed themselves out. Now, this one will blow your mind. South Africa is the second most stressed-out country in the world behind Colombia and ahead of Nigeria. Nigeria is number three. We may become number one. (laughs) Amen. He says, man, this is where we live. People are stressed out. Now, what did Jesus have to say about it? Let's find out if the master, in fact, I came across another statistic. It says South Africa spends about 15 billion rand every month on stress-related issues. You know, like getting uh, uh, pills so you can go to sleep, uh, getting pills to cure uh, uh, hyper-stress-related things, uh, uh, autoimmune diseases, your body literally fighting you because it doesn't want to be stressed. And we spend about fifteen billion just to try and get rid of this thing. Does Jesus have anything to say about it? Let's find out. Matthew chapter number six, from verse twenty-five. Matthew chapter number six, verse twenty-five. This is Jesus speaking. There's no pastor; it is Jesus. Therefore, I say unto you: Now, whenever you see that word "therefore," you need to check to see what is "therefore." Amen. Yeah. Some of you who did math, you know this. After you've done all your calculations. You'd get right to the bottom and put those three dots. Therefore, X equals. So Jesus here is getting to therefore, but let's find out what the calculations are. Verse 24. So before we read verse 25, let's read verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Someone say cannot. No. Notice Jesus didn't say it's going to be a hard thing. He says you cannot. Yeah. It's impossible. There is no way, Jose. It's not happening. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you cannot serve God and money. You can have both, God and money. But when it comes to worship, when it comes to serving, you're going to have to choose whether you're serving uh, God or mammon, or money or material things. With that in mind, now you can put therefore. See, because before you understand verse 24, you cannot understand verse 25. If money is still dominating you, if money is still ruling you and telling you what to do and not God, verse 25 won't apply to you. You won't even understand it. So you need to dethrone this spirit of mammon for you to understand uh, verse 25. It says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry now. Uh, You know, I don't know how difficult this verse is going to be to understand but to me it looks pretty simple if if you want to understand misunderstand this one you're going to have to pay someone hire them, pay them a lot of money to help you and still they will fail to help you misunderstand this verse (laughs) it's plain and simple do not worry, hunt your neighbor and say don't worry worry. be happy
1: remember that song?
0: don't worry, be happy those are the only lyrics to the song. Man, I think it's a prophetic song. You just do a little, some come back, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> That's awesome. And Jesus is saying here, do not worry. Again, he doesn't say it will be a good idea. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say I suggest. He gives it as an imperative. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. It's not going to benefit you anything. He says, do not worry about your life. Yeah. Man, I like this. If you're reading in the original King James Bible, some of you are, it would say, Take no thought about your life. Wow. And what he's saying is, Take no anxious thought about your life. What you will eat, these are the things that people most worry about and feel justified to worry about. What you shall eat, and all these things are related to mammon, they are related to material needs. He says, Don't worry about what you shall eat, what you shall drink nor yet for your body, what you shall put on.
1: Ladies.
0: (laughs) I mean, they get a wedding invite. The first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I don't even know what I'm going to wear to this wedding. And here's the thing. If you took them to their house, like if you came to our house, you can look in that closet... And I can guarantee you, you'll be able to see some clothes. And you can go to my closet, and I can guarantee you, you'll be able to see some of hair clothes. And the visitor's room. So there's clothes everywhere. But because we're inclined to worry, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is, what am I going to wear? He says, don't worry about it. Next verse. Watch what it says, next verse. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Listen, the birds of the air are not productive like you, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? So Jesus is making this thing practical. He's saying, let's look at it from a practical perspective. He's preaching to the warriors, not the warriors. The warriors. He's saying, Warriors, let's break it down. Okay, look at the birds of the air. They don't go to work. Do you go to work? Yes, I do. Do you gather into bands? Yes, I do. And he's saying, God looks after them and they are not productive. How much more do you think he will look after? In fact, he doesn't say God. I almost misquoted the scripture. He says, Your heavenly Father. And this is a new revelation he's bringing into us, into a new revolution of calling God Father. Not just a God, a deity who's disconnected, who's out of touch with the realities of this world. He calls God Father. And that word Father in the Greek is pater, which means your provider, your nourisher. The one who takes care of you, the one who, the one who protects you. And without this revelation of father, you will go straight into worry. You know, how many of you in here have children, you know, fathers? You're like, I'm a father? You know, how many of you here would be pleased to go back home and you see your children sitting stressed out at the front porch of the house, at the veranda, <laughs> and they're just quiet and they're looking all miserable. And you ask them, hey, what's wrong? They said, we're stressed out about what we're going to eat tonight. <laughs> And think of your little boys, your little girls. They're sitting there, Daddy, you know what? I'm actually stressed right now. Man, it would be an offense to you. You look at self and say, have I not been doing what I'm supposed to? Why would they stress about this? And that's what God is saying. He's saying, hey, I'm your heavenly father. And God is not a runaway dad. He's not an irresponsible father. He's a responsible father. And if he feeds the birds of the air, he will certainly feed you. He will certainly provide for you. He will certainly clothe you. And this is what Jesus is saying. Next verse. Which of you by taking thought or by taking an anxious thought can add one cubit unto his stature? I like this. This is practical. Jesus is saying, which of you get benefit out of worrying? How many of you up in here can say, you know, Pastor, I was just busy worrying. And then I stumbled upon this creative idea. Just sitting there worrying. No, Jesus is saying there is no virtue. There is no value. There is no benefit in worrying. He says, which one of you will grow taller by worrying? You know, I used to... Uh, play basketball in high school, and one of the benefits, uh, 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 one of the height benefits you get when you play basketball is you can dunk the ball, you can dominate other players, and so on and so forth. And my favorite song was, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. You remember that song? He's saying you're not getting a little bit taller from worrying. That's not how growing tall comes. There's no virtue. There's no benefit in worrying. In fact, all the times I'd worry, it would put me in an a, 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 a embryo, fetal position. And I remember when I graduated, um, 2002 graduated, so don't try and calculate my age. It's all right. And I was waiting to, to, to get a job. And it took a little longer than I expected. So I'd sit at home and worry about it. And I can guarantee you, I didn't get a job. Not a single call. Man, you'd imagine. I worried so much about it. Someone should at least give me a call. I didn't get a single phone call from my worry. I didn't get a single opportunity, nothing. In fact, I would sit sit at the couch and come up with all kinds of permutations and extrapolations about how I was not going to make it. You know, I'm never going to get a job in this economy, and I'm going to be a loser. I won't be able to get married. I won't be able to feed my kids. Man, I'm a loser. I'm a loser, loser, loser. By the time I finish, (laughs) by the time I'm finished worrying, Man, I'm in, a, I'm in that fetal position. It'll be 36 degrees outside, but I'm in the blanket. I'm just, ooh, feeling miserable. And God didn't move. God didn't change uh, verse 26. God still said, don't worry. God still said, take no thought, no anxious thought, because I got you. Watch what he says, next verse. And why take you uh, anxious thought for clothes or for rainment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He's talking about the grass of the field. He's saying, man, God takes care of the grass of the field. And this is why God is saying, don't worry, because if he can take care of the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven or burnt, he will certainly take care of you. And this is the revelation that you need to get. You need to catch this revelation that God wants me to live my life in peace. That's right, Amen. It's our heavenly Father's decreed will that we live at the place of peace. Amen. He even attaches the word shalom to his name, Jehovah. And it's a revelation of what he thinks of you and me. Amen? Amen. You know, I know there's some pastors who preach this same message. And they tell people, don't worry because worry is sin. No, worry is not sin. If you want to worry, you can worry. But it's not going to benefit you anything. He's just trying to show you there's no value in worrying. You can do it if you want. That's no sin. you still go to heaven, but it's just not going to benefit you. Five out of six of the leading causes are caused by the very thing that Jesus said don't do. The reason he says, Don't worry, is because he genuinely cares for you and wants you to enjoy life. That's why he says in First Timothy, chapter number six, verse 17 charge them or command them who are rich in this world not to be high minded or put their trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who richly gives us or gives us all things to enjoy. Most religious people don't think that God would say something like that. Most religious people can't believe the word enjoy is in the Bible. God wants you. Hey, listen. Let me read it. Who gives us richly all things to do what? See, most religious people think God just wants you to soldier on. (laughs) Just so, Just hold on. (laughs) Just hold on. (laughs) One day it'd get better. No, he richly gives you all things so you can enjoy life. Listen, I look forward to Christmas. I look forward to December because it's the only time I can get to eat ice cream in the morning, ice cream in the afternoon, yeah. ice cream in the... And, and have a clear conscience about it because it's Christmas after all. It's Christmas. Man, I wake up in that sunny day and I can go in the swimming pool. Eat breakfast, go in the swimming pool and swim the whole day. Why? It's Christmas. <laughs> And I have a clear conscience. I can eat a burger and chips. And no one will condemn me. It's Christmas. Everybody's doing it. And I'm enjoying life. I know some of you are spiritual. You don't like the beach. I like the beach. On a sunny day, I'll go to the beach not just to look at the ocean, to swim in the ocean. Some of you think pastors should be, you know, locked up in monasteries praying. You know, with this one long purple garment. No, I'm going also to the beach with y'all. I'm coming too. Hey Amen. God wants you to enjoy. He wrote a whole book whose theme was joy. That's right. The Philippians. And he said rejoice in case you missed it. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice to the power too. God doesn't mind you having an awesome time. That's why he says, don't worry about what you shall eat. Your heavenly father will take care of you. Let's go back to Matthew chapter number six, verse 38. He says some awesome things. We were in verse 28, 29, 29 now. Again, I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Wherefore? If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more? Someone say, much more. more. Man, you are better than the grass. Yes, it takes care of the grass. He says, much more clothe you or look after you, all ye of little faith. I like that. You see how he signs out? He says, all ye of little faith. Because it's a faith issue. Worry is a faith issue. Faith in who? Faith in your Heavenly Father. It's not a faith issue. It's not a faith in your faith issue or a faith in yourself issue or your faith in how much productive you can be issue. It's your faith in your Heavenly Father. Do you have confidence in your Heavenly Father like your children have confidence in you? Because if you do, listen, my little children, they don't care whether it's raining. They don't care whether I got paid on time. They don't care what the bank has said to me. They expect me to provide dinner. That's right. Tonight even. Tonight. As we leave church, they don't care that you are preaching. They're expecting lunch. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to have your absolute, total reliance on Him and not on yourself. And when you do that, you start walking in faith. Man, you have to put your 100% confidence in the ability of God. Can God take care of you? I believe he can. In fact, God can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. God can get you there better than you can get there yourself. So you need to start putting your confidence in God. And when worry comes, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying from today onwards you're going to live in this bubble where you won't have any problems. I'm saying God has given you an instruction to not take any opportunity that will throw you into worry. Man, as you leave here today, you're going to get several opportunities. Some of you will get an email. Some of you will get a Facebook post. Some of you will get someone, just whisper something. Man, I remember when we started the ministry, before I caught this revelation. Man, I used to be worried all the time. And it seemed every everything that came to my desk from the church office threw me into worry. (laughs) Man, this thing should throw you into trust. Whenever you get a bill that needs to be paid for, it should throw you into trust, not into worry. Because God's got this. We need to start putting our confidence and our trust in God's ability. Because God can take care of you. If he takes care of the grass of the field don't take the opportunities that are going to come your way for you to go into worry. Amen. Amen. Some of you are thinking, Pastor T, so if I stop worrying, what am I going to do? Let's find out. (laughs) What am I going to do with my time, Pastor T? What am I going to do with my weekends? Some of you enjoy worrying so much. Some of you are worried right now. (laughs) And some of you are worried about what I'm going to say next. (laughs) Man, what is he going to say? He says in verse 32, uh, verse 31. Verse 31? Yeah. He says, therefore, take no thought. Man, he said it three times already. He says, therefore, do not worry. Therefore, take no anxious thought. Mm -hmm. Saying, what shall we eat? Don't say these things. Mm -hmm. Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? Don't say these things. Verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. He says this is how the Gentiles live. Not you. You are my children. You have a relationship with me. After these things uh, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Just like your earthly father you know, would know that it's time for lunch. And this child must. He's saying your heavenly father knows that you are in need of all these things. Amen. And if he knows, he'll take care of it. Because He's your provider. Amen? Amen. Will you trust Him? That's the issue. Verse 33. But seek ye first. Seek ye first. Someone say first. First. Some of you were saying, if I stop worrying, what am I going to do with my time? Here's what you should do. Seek first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? What you shall eat. What you shall drink. Wherewith you shall be clothed and where you shall live. All your basic needs will be taken care of when you start focusing on seeking first the kingdom of God. And it says first to imply priority. See, in the kingdom of God, it's always first things first. Not second things first or, you know, urgent things first. No, it's always first things first. And the first in the kingdom of God has to be the kingdom of God. You must seek first the kingdom, not seek first what you shall eat. Amen. Amen? Do you see it? Amen. He said, seek first. It works like a boomerang. Right. While you're busy seeking the kingdom, he's busy putting things in your uh, trailer. Amen. Everything that you need. That's good. He says, all these things.
1: That's
0: good. What you shall eat. What you shall be clothed with. What you shall drive. Oh, yeah, that's and right. where you shall live. Oh, that's and good. what you will put in it. Man, we've heard testimonies and testimonies of people being... Just on Tuesday, my wife and I were uh, recording an episode uh, of Her TB and Meats. Uh, it's going to be aired tomorrow at uh, 8.30, I believe, talking about a book and so on and so forth. And uh, we were, uh, someone was sharing a testimony with us, and they said you know, they've had a second, their second child, and their second child is about six weeks old now. And God, how many of you know that God can calculate? <laughs> God knew that this child is about six weeks mm-hmm. and getting ready to start rolling with the parents. Mm-hmm. And they had a two-do. Mm-hmm. And they had been believing God for a family car. Mm-hmm. And on Monday, he got a call and someone said to him, Hey, I, I heard you say you're looking for a van for mm-hmm. your family. And they said, Yes, I am. And he said, Well, I have this van. Go and check it out and let me know if you like it. He went and checked it out, said, Man, I like it. He said, You can have it. All you have to do is to seek first. And he uses the word first, which implies priority because they are competing things. To seeking first the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? How do you seek first the kingdom of God? Primarily, the church is the manifest expression of the kingdom of God. How you relate with the gathering together of the saints will show you whether you're prioritizing the kingdom or not. Man, I've had some, see, being the pastor of a church, I've had some crazy excuses as to why I cannot be with the, in the meeting today. It doesn't matter what kind of meeting it is. God says, "Where two or more gathered in my name. I'll be there. So you you ain't standing up, Pastor T. Mm -hmm. The man himself is in that meeting too. And some of your excuses. Mm -hmm. Man, I wished God was there in physical form to hear them. It doesn't reveal first. Mm -hmm. It doesn't reveal priority. Pastor T, I had to get a haircut so I can't come to. Like, really, real? (laughs) Like, for real? And God is waiting on you? Man, that's not going to work. Some of you pray for a job. He gives you the job. You use the job not to show up to his... Okay, okay, moving right along. <laughs> moving, right along. moving right along swiftly. It's about to be World War III up in here. <laughs> Proverbs, chapter number 4, verse 23. He says, guard your heart. Because out of it will flow the issues of life. How do you guard your heart? You guard your heart from all these thoughts that are anxious. You guard your heart? How do you guard your heart? You make the word of God first first place in your heart. You know, whenever you're encountered with news, bad news, and you're going to see bad news everywhere. Just last week, they sent it to my my phone that they were going to increase uh, uh, petrol again. (laughs) <laughs> and in that moment I had a choice.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. That's awesome.
0: To be worried yeah. and anxious about it? Yeah, that's good. Like you know, the Gentiles, the people who don't have a father. Mm-hmm. Or to say, Daddy, here it is. Will you take care of this? Mm-hmm. In that moment I had a choice. And I said, You know what? I'm gonna give it to my heavenly father. I'm gonna trust him. He knows what he's doing. And guess what? I stepped right into peace. And as I was driving from the gym, you know, you think that's it. Satan has given up. No, he hasn't. There was still another billboard. You know, right, right next to the uh, a service station. You said, "Patrol going up at midnight tonight." What do you want me to do? Come in here and fill up. What about next week? May as well get used to it now. <laughs> May as well buy expensive fuel tomorrow. And just get done and over with it. Then postpone it to next week. I've never understood that. But here's what God is saying. Guard your heart. Protect your heart from bad news. Because out of your heart will flow the issues of life. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Let us go now to Colossians chapter number 3 verse 15. Colossians Chapter number 3, verse 15. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, but before we read Colossians, chapter number 3, verse 15, let's read Mark, chapter number 4, verse 35 to 38 in the Message Bible, and we will see what Jesus was doing in Colossians, chapter number 3, verse 15. In Mark, chapter number 4, from verse 35 to 40. Mark, chapter number 4. There's 35 to 40 in the Message Bible. <clears throat> in the Message Bible, please, if you can. Late that day, he said unto them, let's go across to the other side. They took him in the boat as he was. Notice it's a boat, it's not a ship, so it's an open vessel, amen? Yeah. Other boats came along. A huge storm came up. In other words, a big problem came up. Waves poured into the boat. So the water was literally coming inside the boat. Waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. So this ain't no Mickey Mouse you know, storm. This is the real deal. It's the real McCoy. Amen. And Jesus was in the stand, head on a pillow. I don't know, man. Panicking.
1: <laughs>
0: he was on the pillow, praying. No, he says, his head on a pillow, sleeping in the midst of a storm. He's probably uh, uh, wet by now because the water is coming into the boat. But this dude seems to have a revelation of what he was preaching in Matthew chapter number 6. He really, tr- This dude is radical. He believes his sermons. This dude is sleeping. This dude is putting his trust, his complete trust in God. He is sleeping in the midst of a storm. He can still have a good night's sleep in the midst of what the economy is doing. He can still have a good night's sleep holding the doctor's diagnosis in his hand. Head on a pillow, sleeping. Not responding in fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, some of you would have started a, a prayer meeting. Let's pray. You know, let's. <laughs> you're praying, but your prayer is inspired by fear. See, whenever you're confronted by a situation, some of you it would be better not to pray. In fact, most of you, in that moment, I don't pray. When it's a fearful situation, I ask myself, Am I responding in fear or in faith? And if it's fear, I go to KFC and get me a two-pizza. In other words, I do something else. That's got nothing to do with responding in fear. I must rest in faith. I must stay in faith. He says, this dude is sleeping on a pillow. They roused him saying, teacher, is it nothing to you that we are going down? Next verse. Awake now, he told the wind to pipe down and say to the sea, quiet, settle down. Yeah. Yeah. Man, three-word prayer. <laughs> well, that's gangster. <laughs> no, that's... that's. He woke up and prayed a three-word prayer. Quiet, settle down. And watch what happened. You know why he said quiet, settle down? Because he understood problems have an ear yeah. what are you gonna tell your problems
1: mm-hmm. That's good. That's
0: good. That's he said to his problems quiet settle down you know like talking to a bully dog have you ever seen these neighborhood dogs that are just bu- hey you know the word that I really want to say Do you know what I really want to say someone said you know. Someone said, you know, the, 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 my worst fear is to be in Europe. <laughs> and a dog attacks me which does not understand.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Says, man, that's my worst fear. Says, <laughs> the, wi- the wind ran out of breath. Man, did you see it? Oh, right. You see, the wind ran out of breath. The sea became as smooth as glass. Yeah. Now, watch this. This is crazy. Jesus reprimanded the disciples and said, Why? Why are you such... Man, you'd think Jesus would get up and say, You know, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry I was sleeping and this thing was about to... Die. No, Jesus said to them, Why are you such cowards? Oh. Watch, that, watch that word again. Don't you have any... Faith at all. Faith in who? Faith in your Heavenly Father. Don't you have any faith at all? Put your trust and your confidence in your Heavenly Father. What is Jesus doing in the midst of this storm? He's doing what Colossians chapter number three fifteen says. He says, let the peace of God be an umpire over your soul. Let the peace of God be an umpire over your soul. The word umpire is a word picture for a ref. You know, in a match. You're playing uh, in any uh, sport, they usually have an umpire. Because sometimes they are bullies. We just want to bully others, you know, in this game. And the enemy is a bully. The Bible says he roars to and fro like a lion looking for someone to devour. He's a bully. And he's trying to bully you. And how do you get the ref involved? Which ref? He says, let the peace of God become your ref. Let the peace of God rule on matters in your heart. Don't let how urgent the issue is be the ref. Man, that's good. Some of you let how urgent the issue is be the ref. You're taking the whistle and giving it to the bully. Some let how pressing the issue is be the ref. No, the ref must be the peace of God. Let the peace of God. And again he uses that word let, L E T. It implies that you have the authority yes. to let it or not let it. Amen. That's right. This is good. You know like a tap of water, you the water is already there, but you have to let it out. Amen. And he's saying here yeah, the peace is already there, but you have to let the peace rule, the peace of God rule in your hearts. The only way you can sleep in the midst of a storm is when you let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Amen. And while I was, you know, coming up with this series and uh, just getting ready to uh, preach this sermon, yesterday I went for a run and the Lord said to me, I want you to end every uh, single one of these teachings with a practical thing that my children can do to uh, combat or to overcome worry. Amen? So let's, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 from verse 1 to 4. This is what you can do. And then we're going to close. Amen? I have what? 41 seconds. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 from verse 1 to 4 in the Message Bible, please. And this is what you can do. One of the things you need to do is to make your requests known unto God, and you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, and so on and so forth. But here's a practical pointer to live at a place of peace. Value only God's opinion of yourself and not people's opinion of you. The only thing that should be valuable is what God says about you and not what men say about you. Amen? Because men will say all kinds of stuff about you. And if you value that, it works like a seesaw. Has anyone ever seen a seesaw or played on a seesaw? A seesaw, when one thing is up, the other one is down. Both can't be up because it's a seesaw. It's the same thing. When you value God's opinion... Man's opinion don't mean much to you. When you value men's opinion, you devalue God's opinion. You can't have both up there. So you're going to have to make a choice today. Whose opinion matters? When you value God's opinion... Man, I've learned this uh, uh, for the few years I've been in ministry, that people's opinion doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to bother me. Because people will say one thing... You know, and they, they ain't even thinking about it. And then you take it to heart and you're at home, stressing, <laughs> meditating about it and thinking about it. Meanwhile, they're at Milky Lane okay. having a, a, a bow one waffle mm. <laughs> and enjoying life. Yeah. And I'm over here, hurt and worried about what they said about, how can they say about that about me? No, what does God say about me? Because that's what matters. Amen. Watch what the Apostle Paul says. Don't imagine us leaders to be something we aren't. We are servants of Christ, not his masters. You know, he's saying a minister of the gospel is a servant of Christ, not Christ's masters. Don't imagine us to be something that we are not. And he begins to tell us uh, what ministers of the gospel are. And this is the position that all of us in here should take. He says we are guides into God's most sublime uh, secrets. Guides, and then he says, not security guards posted to protect them. There's a difference between a guide and a security guard. A security guard is lo- looking for the law breakers. God has not called. If there are any pastors listening or watching by uh, 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 YouTube or any other channel, God has not called you as a pastor to be a security guard, to be a moral police. Who is sinning? Hello, I heard you are sinning. You need to come to me. <laughs> No, that's not what God has called you to. And people have tried to make me one. You know, they tell me, Pastor T, do you know so and so is sinning? I'm like, whatever. I'm I'm, I'm not a security guard. I'm a guide into God's sublime secrets. A guide, sublime. Okay, all right, thank you. (laughs) Sublime, sublime. What does that mean? Precious. Awesome. Okay, I'll use awesome. (laughs) He says the requirements for a good guide, which is who you are, are reliability. Do you show up at least 30 minutes before the meeting? And accurate knowledge. Do you study the word to show people exactly what these truths are and what they are saying? That's all you need to be a leader in the kingdom of God. It matters very little to me. This is the position all of you should take from today onwards. Man this, is, man, this is a revelation. You, if you need to print it out and put it on your fridge, magnet, and, and put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, so that you can read it every single morning. Watch what he says. He says it matters very little. Someone say very little. Yes. He says it matters very little to me what you think of me. It doesn't mean I go out of my way to become mean so that people hate me. But guess what? People's opinions of me, really don't matter. Because right. people are going to talk whether you do something or you don't do nothing at all. Yeah, that's right. People yeah. will talk about yeah. you, so you may as well get used to it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? It says, it, does, it matters very little to me what you think of me. Mm-hmm. Even less where I rank in popular opinion. So don't do this to try and get popular. I don't even rank myself. And watch what the Apostle Paul says. He says, comparisons in these matters are pointless. I'm not aware of anything that would disqualify me from being a good guide for you. But that doesn't mean much. The master makes the judgment. And the master thinks you're awesome. The master thinks you're worth dying for. The master wants to take care of you. The master is your healer. The master will provide for what you shall drink, what you shall eat, and where you shall sleep. I want to add this one. And what you shall drive. Amen. Glory. The master yes. will take care of that. The master has a good uh, uh, opinion of you. Amen. So it should matter very little. Smaller. so Small. What people think of you? Because people will think all kinds of stuff. And if it matters to you, on a practical note, it will throw you into a place of stress and worry. And you expose yourself. You make yourself vulnerable to all these things that God does not want. Your, your body was not designed to carry all of this worry. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you that there is no worry here that this is a peace zone father right now we thank you that the spirit of anxiety that has dominated and ruled our nation of South Africa to be second in the world the most stressed out country father we arrest that spirit right now in the name of Jesus right now I release the peace of God which surpasses all understanding it's a choice It's a choice. I keep hearing this. See, it's a choice because South Africa is not even amongst the top ten poorest countries in the world. So if it was based on poverty and having things, we wouldn't be in the top ten. It's a choice. And there's a spirit that is dominating this place. And we're going to arrest and evict that spirit this morning. Father, in Jesus' name we thank you. That your peace rules and reign. And right now, this morning, we declare that we're going to let freedom reign. We're going to let the liberty of the Lord rule and reign even in this nation. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Spirit of worry. Spirit of anxiety. Spirit of stress. I command you now to be evicted. Go! In the name of Jesus, leave our hearts, leave our minds. Peace, I invite you to be the umpire over my soul, over this nation's soul, over this nation's heart. Every child of God in this nation will walk and live and enjoy the peace of God. That peace which goes beyond what we can figure out. That peace which goes beyond our understanding. That's the peace we declare over this nation. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for doing it. We thank you, Lord, for doing it. This is a peace zone. We will not worry. We will not fear. But we will put our complete trust in you, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we have praying. Someone just breathe in. Now breathe out. It's gone. That's it. It's done. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't have to worry about it. Next week, we're going to be talking about how you can cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Your body was not designed to carry all this load. Stop it. Aunt your neighbor and say, Stop it. Just, just stop. Just stop it, man. Just stop worrying about the future. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, this is a full-on warfare against Satan over this nation. I didn't even know that we were second in the world. All us out against him. Amen? Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you.